Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Today, our guest is Chad Rayner. Some of you may know him from his Instagram handle of Technical Fitness. Chad, we'll let you take it from here. Give a little bit of background on yourself there, sir. How's it going, guys? Good to see you. So my name is Chad Raynor. So like Dennis said, on Instagram, you can find me on Technical Fitness. Um, as far as you know, my fitness background, I am a stick mobility instructor, hopefully going to be a master instructor. That's a side conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Neil, if you weren't included inside <laughs> a conversation that Dennis and I maybe talked about. I'm an ESM, CPT, CES, PES, FRC, and Strong First Level 2 kettlebell instructor as well. So as far as how long I've been doing this. I've been doing so, let's see, I'm 38 years old. I started when I was 22. So I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> and so I guess pretty much my style is, again, I'll, I try to position myself to be able to work with anybody that's in front of me. But what I tend to specialize in more so is, you know, mobility work, you know, working on clients, being resilient and being able to, whether they want to do traditional strength training um, I have clients that are snowboarders. I have clients that are golfers, you know, just being able to put people in position to do what they want to do out of life. So I, I let them tell me what they want to be able to do. And then I just try to, you know, get them in the right position to do so pain-free with as much efficiency as possible. For people that are going to watch this on YouTube, uh, we're going to have video clips and some images of Chad. And so if you don't know Chad, you'll notice that he does have the ability to get into some ridiculous end ranges. Is, is that Thank something you. you've a quality you've always had or had to, you know, develop? Uh, that's something I developed. Uh, I think my fitness journey really started shortly after school. I, I went to school originally for journalism. When I got out of school, it was one of those things where if you want to, you know, get into like broadcasting, it's like, okay, you might have to move to a certain part of the country that I did not want to be in personally um, to, you know, kind of build yourself up. And then you know, I, I, I grew up with some people that, you know, okay, they were going to be a weather person and they're still, you know, their goal was to be, you know, a network New York kind of weather person, but they're a local weather person or a radio host. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. That's just not necessarily what I wanted to do. Uh, and so that's how I kind of started with, you know, just kind of working out and getting into fitness. And then I was in a really bad car accident when I was uh, 23 years old. My fault, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt and I got ejected from the car. And so from that standpoint, it, it led to essentially me having a broken back. So I cracked L1 through 5 vertebrae, uh, cracked my sacrum and my coccyx chipped off. I ended up having immediate surgery on my left knee and both ankles at that time, at, at the same time during that accident. I was actually medevac, so a helicopter ride uh, to the hospital. I had shoulder issues before that as well. And those kind of, the, the accident exacerbated the, the shoulder issues. And so I, you know, a few years later, I ended up having surgery on both shoulders as well. So I, I had a unique experience where I've had surgery literally from head to toe, but I was an active person. I was an outdoor person. I love working out. Uh, and I had a bunch of doctors telling me that I wouldn't be able to do a lot of stuff that I was accustomed to doing. And so that's really where my fitness journey began because I didn't want to accept that. I didn't want to believe that I wouldn't be able to do certain things. And so I was luckily, I, you know, I was in position with, you know, physical therapist in Virginia, or this is where that accident happened. And then just being connected, I moved to New York shortly after that, New York City. And that's where my real love of fitness and just being able to take care of your body came from. 
And so even though, you know, post accident, I worked a lot more on traditional strength. I did work on a lot of mobility. And then as I've gotten older, I just really appreciated and stuck, you know, focused a lot more on the mobility because, you know, I'll get those little aches and creaks and pains, you know, from the accident, from the surgeries, if I don't stay on top of it. So for me, it became more of a lifestyle to really implement that mobility and that joint health work, just so I can keep going at the the rate that I like to keep going. Well, if you watch any videos or see pictures of Chad, I mean, it looks like he's never been in an accident before because he moves like, <laughs> literally moves like a baby still. Thank it's you. Ins- it's That's, insane, that was man. my goal. Yeah, that was my goal. It was just... I'm one of those people where if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to, I'm going to go out of my way to prove you wrong and not just prove you wrong, but like almost kind of make you look bad in the process. <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing, but I'm definitely one of those very hyper competitive people. And when, again, when I'm told that I'm not going to be able to do something, I'm just, I'm not going to accept it. So I really, I really stressed uh, taking care of my body and making sure that I was able to, you can move well live the life I like to live. So again, I, again, myself, I'm, I'm a snowboarder, you know, I'll pay, I'll play pickup basketball. I, I go hiking a lot. So I'm an outdoorsy person I mean, and I'm just an active person. So I was not willing to accept the injured life and just like, this is what it is. Like, you're, you're never going to be able to do this. You're never going to be able to do that again, or like at the same level, I just, I wouldn't accept it. So I thank you. Thank you for the uh, recognition and acknowledgement of the work that I put in. Yeah, because it's a lot of work. Consider the amount of pain, the amount of time that it took and the effort. That's that's a lot. So when you first started your mobility journey, when you were after the accident, was it the same as you practice today? Like, is it strength based like it is today? Or was it more of the, hey, I'm going to I'm going to stretch quite a bit? Yeah, it was more more of the stretching. Um, and so like, you know, your passive stretch, you know, holding for, you know, three to five minutes at a time, foam rolling, you know, things like that. And so it's evolved where it's more strength-based, strength-based uh, mobility training. Uh, I haven't foam rolled personally in years. I don't necessarily, I'm not telling people, you know, if you find it works for you, then that's great. I personally have not needed to once I switched up my style with, again, more of the FRC and even the stick mobility principles as well. So those between the combination of those things have really upped my game as far as my abilities of how my body moves and, you know, my positioning for, you know, when I'm doing kettlebells or calisthenics or again, any other, any outdoor activity as well. So it's, it's definitely morphed over the years, but it's also, I think it's taking care of my body a lot better where it's a lot more efficient. So it doesn't take as much time as it used to. And it allows me to, again, keep going at a higher rate where my body just feels better personally. Well, it's interesting that you say you haven't rolled in years. I mean, you, you I'm the same you, way. You're the same way. I don't, I don't, I don't do it too much. I mean, and it's, it's rare. It's rare. And yeah. I'm, I'd say in the last couple of years, I've been the same way. I mean, I'll occasionally bust it out. Yeah. But I've been pretty much the same way as far as not having to, that's the first thing I grab. Yeah. I want to get into. Yeah. I think it's been about five years since I've actually like touched a form roll for my own for my own purposes. Like, you know, I've touched one for demonstrating things on videos or whatever, but for my own personal use, it's, it's been at least five years. And so again, I, I just, what I try to put out there is on like Instagram, it's, it's just trying to show like a different way for people to be successful, be healthy, be healthy, be resilient, and just be able to move and just be more efficient with their time. Being able to, again, still be able to move properly and understand movement quality and positioning, but also building resilience 
so your body can, you know, keep functioning at the highest level possible. You know how you said the doctors, you had doctors telling you you wouldn't be able to do this, wouldn't be able to do that. Have you had any contact with any of those doctors since then to say? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Not recently. So it's funny. So when I, when initially happened uh, again, so again, I, I, it's, I cracked L1 through five, my sacrum, my coccyx. And again, I had surgery on the left knee and both ankles. And so my original orthopedic surgeon, I can't even remember his name right now, but he was, so this was at Fairfax and Nova hospital, which is a little bit South of Washington, DC. And so the gentleman was like, it's going to be a minimum of six months before you walk again. And I remember laughing at him, like literally like laughing out loud at him. And then he kind of laughed back at me, kind of like, who is this kid? Like, who does he think he is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I literally walked into his office two months later and he smiled at me and he goes, Mr. Raynor, I want you to understand that you are a unique individual. This is not the normal situation. So I'm happy for you and I'm proud of you for, you know, for doing the wings, the things that you've done, but this is not a normal kind of situation. And so for me, especially during that rehab process, uh, I tell people when you, when you experience pain like that, everything's relative at that point. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you go through that kind of trauma, you're able to push yourself to limits that you probably don't think that you're capable of. Um, and that, that was my driving factor. Again, it was, it was a combination of him telling me that I was not going to walk again, which again, at 23 years old, you're thinking like, what, like, what do you mean? I'm not going to be able to walk for six months. And again, I'll be able to walk again but it's not going to be for six months. Like I'm not going to accept that. Uh, and so I was able to really push myself through my rehab and, and I had aggressive rehab that worked out for me. And again, so again, I was able to stroll into his office and it is just that feeling of like, okay, this is, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful feeling to be able to kind of prove him wrong, but also it was an empowering feeling. That's where, again, like I really wanted to work in fitness because I'm like, okay, if this is happening to me, how many other people are going through this mm-hmm. where they're told that, they're not going to be able to golf again, or they're not going to be able to play tennis again or whatever the case may be. And so I use that as like a power to kind of motivate me to help others. And so that's, that's my fitness. That's what, you know, how I got into this industry. That's why I do what I do on Instagram. You know, we, we all put out information and some of it's free and it's kind of like, Oh, putting out free information, but it's also not the same as working one-on-one, the detail and the thoroughness of it, but it at least puts people in position that did that may think that, you know, they're not able to do something that they are able to do something. And so that's, that's the story I like to share with people. It's, you know, obviously there's going to be situations where it's, it can't, it may not work out in your favor, but at the same time, I, I want people to hear stories of people that it did work out for. And I think that's, I think that's just important in in general in life is sharing experiences. So people don't necessarily like, there's, it's a lonely feeling sometimes when you're like, Oh, okay. I have to, you know, I'm in this hospital bed and I've got like these wounds and the surgery and it's like, okay, well, what do I do next? And you just have a lot of time to kind of process the information and like how you want to approach it. And so I just, I, I try to take advantage of that as much as possible during that time and just in life in general, just like process information, whether it's again, like with COVID, it's like, okay, well, you can't train in the gym anymore. Like I immediately was training people virtually online. Like, well, you know, again, I understand I've been doing this long enough and I've lived through enough to understand positioning of the body and you know, what's efficient, what's not. So all I have to do is be able to see you. Maybe, maybe I'm not able to touch you or maybe I may not be in person, but again, I understand positioning enough where I can continue to help you 
regardless of the situation. So it's, it's being able to adapt um, to what's, whatever comes at your way is something that, you know, I try to stress to, you know, people that are in my circle or, you know, my clientele. Would you say that you move better now than you did prior to your accident? I move better now at 38 years old than I did at 23 years old. And I, I feel better as well. I, I move better. I feel better. Again, I can't say that that's going to be the case for everybody. That is the case for me. But again, it's also different for us because this is our lifestyle. I, I can speak on that because I'm also generally not sitting on a desk or I'm not sitting in the car commuting. I, I'm constantly moving. So, you know, between walking a dog uh, our, and again, our lifestyle of being outdoors, like I'm constantly moving outside of when I'm actually you know, working with clients uh, virtually, you know, but even when you're in person, you're, you're constantly, you know, moving in person or where I'm constantly moving in person. So I, my body feels amazing. I'm also inspired by even like modern athletes right now. You have, you know, your Tom Brady's, your LeBron's who, as they get older, you know, we have more information than we did 10, 15, 20 years ago that to know that, yeah, maybe you don't perform at the level that you could, you know, if I knew what I knew now, my at 22, 23, of course, my body would move better and, you know, be super efficient. But at the same time, I didn't, you know, I just based off of traditional strength. And so even though I had some, some strength to me, I didn't move well. And my positioning, you know, during my movement, wasn't the same as it is now. I'm so much more efficient today at 38 years old than I was back then at 22, 23 years old. So do you think because you understand positioning better and you have access to more of these ranges with strengths that your, your standard lifts or, you know, things that just general strength training that, you know, people typically think about, do you think you're stronger at those too? Yes, I definitely do. And so that's one of the things that we talk of, like, even in strong first, when you're going through, you know, you have your snatch test, or if you're doing strong first level two, you, one of the, you know, the requirements is you have to be able to press a bell that's half your body weight. And so if your positioning is not, if you're, if you have trouble with shoulder reflection, it's much harder to lift something that's half your body weight over your head versus if you have optimal shoulder flexion. And so it just makes it makes it much easier to do your traditional lifts, to do your calisthenics, to do your weekend activities, tennis, golf. And so that's, that's what I try to help people understand is it's, I think sometimes you have a lot of old school kind of thought process people with, okay, well, traditional lifting is how you get stronger and that's it. And that's how you're, you're technically strengthening your joints by doing traditional lifts, but not everybody can start off at that point, especially if you're just like beginning. And so it's, it's, it's trying to educate people that doing this type of training, working with sticks, working on joint health, working on your movement patterns, working on your positioning sets you up to be able to continue to do those things, whether it's okay, I want to do Olympic lifts, you know, I want to do traditional strength training. I want to be able to golf. Like it, it opens up so many more doors than, you know, the old school way of thinking, you know, the, the bodybuilder way of, of how fitness kind of really started. If I had an hour, you know, like most people are in that 60 minute workout time set or mindset, how much do you devote to specific joint training itself as compared to getting it through actual loaded movements or applying that to an actual overall movement? Yeah, obviously, you know, it's, it's going to depend on the person that's in front of you. You know, I have multiple clients who've had spinal fusions um, and foot fusions and they're seniors. And so a lot of a lot of our work is joint health and just movement pattern. They, they, they just want to move and feel better. They don't they're not necessarily looking to gain. 
obviously you're, you're going to gain some strength with what we do, but they're not looking to like, Oh, how much can I squat? How much can I deadlift? They just want to be able to, you know, move without pain. Now, again, if your goal is to be strong or, you know, traditional strong, if I'm seeing you once a week, you know, you might start with some, you know, light movement patterns, you know, just kind of get the joints moving. But again, you also don't want to tax the body from, you know, your traditional strength. So again, there's, there's, I think a lot of people don't understand that if you're doing like hard mobility training, hard joint training, it's very taxing on the nervous system and on the body, do hardcore mobility work, and then try to do hardcore strength training because you're just putting yourself in position to be injured. Depending on who is in front of me, that's, that's how I, I, I basically I'll, I'll take it. And then I'll have, I'll have some clients that again, you know, and just like you guys, you'll have clients who will do their homework and they do what they're supposed to do on their own time. And so we can just get right down to what they want to do. Yep. And so it's, it really is going to depend on the person you have. Yeah. I have a students, I have B students and I have C students. I don't have any D or F at this point. You know, I've, I've been doing this. I've been doing this long enough where I, I'm in a position where I can be like, you know, this isn't going to work anymore. You know, when you first, when you first get into it, you just take anybody. You're like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll train yeah. you. I'll train you. I'll train you. You're messing up my curve, like, oh, man. man. I don't want to, I don't want to train this person. They all they do is complain. Now I'm at the point where like I can, tr- I, I train people who I want to train. And so it's, it's much easier and much more fun to train now, you know, as a grown up, as a, as a 30 year old person versus like, you know, in your low twenties and you're training people who just don't want to do it. They're just, they're doing it because they feel forced or they feel obligated or because you work for like, you know, I, I worked for New York sports clubs and I worked for crunch at one point, you know, corporate fitness. That's like, Oh, well, I just joined the gym. I get a free session. I just want to, you know, see what I can do. So now I'm at the point where, uh, most of my clients that I've, that I'm training, I've trained for a minimum of three years. You know, I have trained, I have clients that I've, I've been training for 10 plus years. So at this point, like my clients do what I need them to do. Um, so it, it's, it's just going to depend on who's in front of me. How about for yourself? What does your hour look like in, for training? If you train for an hour? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I generally train for an hour. I don't, I don't necessarily train longer than an hour. Sometimes, I mean, the absolute longest I'll personally train is an hour and 15. And it's not like I I have like a timer, like, oh, it's hour and 15, I'm done. It's just at this point, I know my goals. I know what my body needs. So again, my kettlebell sessions are going to be between 45 45 minutes to an hour max. Um, So I'll do kettlebells two to three times a week. Uh, I do a lot of calisthenics. So with like, you know, we have a pull-up bar in our apartment, an actual pull-up bar, not like one that you hang on a door jam, but an actual pull-up bar that doubles as yeah. a squat rack. Morgan, my wife and I, we do a lot of calisthenics. We have parallel bars. So again, those, those sessions will last 45 minutes, maybe an hour 15 max. And then my joint work as well. That's, that's something that's going to be 45 to 60 minutes as well. Cause then I'll go, I'll go through the whole chain. I'll go ankles, I'll have knees, hips, you know, shoulders, neck, spine. So I'll, I'll take my time and I'll go through all of that um, as well. When you make your post, is there a lot of negative feedback, a little negative feedback? People say, oh, you sh- that's not good for you. That's not healthy for you. You're going to ultimately end up in a bad place. Yeah, I actually, surprisingly, I generally get very little negative feedback. I can't explain why that is. Um, Cause I definitely know people like, you know, friends of mine and looking at other people's pages that definitely get that negative feedback. Again, I can't explain why. Again, the rare, rare comment that I get that is negative. Again, I'll, I'll try to respond on the actual post itself so people can kind of see if they have any questions or answers. And then I'll also like, I'll, I'll reach out to that person. I'll, I'll direct message them and kind of see 
you know, where their head's at and try to have a conversation with them. I think, again, another thing, an aspect in life is people have a hard time having conversations these days. It's okay to not agree with something. It's just explain why. Uh, and so like, I'll try to have conversations with people with my thought process, try to understand their thought process, and then try to come to some sort of agreement, whether it's we agree to agree or agree to disagree. It's just having conversations with people. So I open, I'm, I'm open to criticism. Um, but I'm also open to having conversations. So any, anybody that has any questions or doesn't believe in what I put out there, I'm more than willing to have, you know, a regular conversation about it. And again, one of the other aspects of having an accident where you're ejected from a car, <laughs> uh, which again, which, which actually ended up being a positive. I'm not, I'm not advocating for not wearing your seatbelt, <laughs> but, but, uh, in my case, you, my, my case, not wearing my seatbelt actually saved my life because my car was crushed. Um, so if I was oh, still shit. inside the car, you, I was still inside the car, I would have been crushed inside the car, but it gives you a different perspective on life. I don't really s- sweat or stress small stuff. I don't, I don't really care if, if you like me or not, to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, I just like, I put myself out there. And again, what I feel like for me, I'm putting my information out there from a good place. I'm trying to help. Whether you feel it helps you or not is is a different conversation. But it, there's no malice in the information that I put out there. And that's also even with other people's posts that I, I necessarily don't agree with. I'm not going on somebody else's page to say you're full of it or you're wrong or whatever. I, again, I tried to have an actual conversation with them. And again, if 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 we come to some sort of agreement, great. If not. It's no, it's not, it's not a big deal. There, there are way uh, bigger things to kind of worry about, stress about in life. I'm just happy to be here, you know, and I'm happy to be a functioning, you know, human as far as like, I'm relatively successful in work. Um, I'm able to move around and and live the life I want to live based off of what happened to me. It could have been much worse. And so I don't, I don't really, I don't stress people uh, coming at me with any sort of negative energy or whatever. It, it is what it is. You know, there's always going to be detractors out there. Again, people like us, we try to have science on our side. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, if you're not into that, then, you know, there's just certain people you were never going to help or convince or change their minds anyways. And so I don't, I don't really think about it. I just keep it moving. I try to help people. Yeah. It's like you said, I mean, if you, we have the ability to say, Hey, here's the scientific principles of, of what's behind what I'm doing. And if you want to argue those scientific principles, then or debate those, I should say, then yeah. then we're open to it. But if it's just your personal opinion about something, then it's a little yeah. different. It's just like whatever. It's like you can't you can't waste your time or energy. One of the things my my father used to say to me, he used to drop all sorts of little gems on me when I was a, a, a younger child. So my my father actually passed away. It'll be eleven years ago in January. So I, I think about his teachings a lot through life, and so. One of the things he used to always tell me is you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. Okay. Um, I know he didn't invent that, but at the same time, it's, it's a very true statement. So I don't, I don't get myself worked up in somebody who's not willing to have an open conversation. So again, it's not necessarily that I'm right and you're wrong. It's just if you're not willing to actually have an, an actual conversation without name calling or profane language, and it's just like, I just move on. There's, there's nothing I can do for you at this point in your life. That doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. You know, sometimes people will have epiphanies and they will change. And if you're if you're willing to have change and have that conversation at a later date, then that's fine with me as well. But I'm not going to waste time and energy on somebody who's not going to have an actual conversation about a disagreement. Because I think what's interesting is when you see the positions that you can achieve, when other people see the positions you can achieve, 
uh, what I love about it is showing people the possibilities. Correct. That's really that my mindset is, is showing what the body can do. And again, it's, it's a 38 year old man who's had surgery on his left knee, both angles, both shoulders with, with back issues at some point. And again, I don't have back issues currently, but again, I had, had major back issues at some point. And just to show people again, that, like I said earlier, that's why I got into this industry is it, it was just a powerful feeling to be able to, uh, you know, get through that. And then just even like sharing that story with, you know, my friends and family locally at that time, people were like, wow, this is just incredible. Like, and so like just seeing their reactions to it made me kind of think like, you know what, maybe this is something I want to do full time. And it was, and you know, it's, so I've been doing it since. And again, I want to show people what the, the body can be capable of. I'm not saying that. And again, it's just like one of the things with, with, you know, some of my range of motions, I know like my hip abduction is elite, uh, my hip external rotation is it's average, maybe above average on a certain day. You know, my shoulder extension is out of this world, you know, but other, other things like I'm not, I'm not great at everything, but I know, I know there are certain things that I am well above average at. And so I want people to know, again, I have four anchors in my left shoulder and five in my right shoulder. And so for mm-hmm. people who don't understand that, it's like when you have uh, multiple shoulder dislocations, what happens is in my case, uh, they put in what's called Arthrex biocomposite anchors. And so basically what happens is the labrum is off, you know, and that's, it makes your shoulder un- unstable. And so what they do is they, they, they sew through the labrum and screw through the bone to reattach your labrum. So it doesn't dislocate anymore. So again, part of that is again, you're going to sacrifice, uh, allegedly you're going to sacrifice range of motion. I want people to see that even me with four anchors on my left shoulder and five in my right, that I still have above average, we'll say <laughs> shoulder, <laughs> shoulder, shoulder mobility. And again, it doesn't impact me. I'm not in pain. I'm able to lift overhead. I'm able to squat or lunge with weight overhead. I don't have any issues with my alignment or my positioning through that. And so I, I wanted to share that and hopefully be, you know, a light for people that think, you know, what, I'm going through this right now and I, I've had this nagging injury for this many years, or I, I had this accident happen, you know, and the doctors are telling me that I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. I, I can't tell you how many people I've come across that said, you know, my doctor said I can't golf anymore. I can't do, I can't play tennis. I can't ski anymore. And again, it, it may be true, but again, let's, let's, let's try something different and, and see again, not, not to, not to say that I'm better than any doctor. Doctors know what they know. They know what they can control. And so that's what doctors are good at. Doctors are good at controlling situations. And again, it's like, okay, you're going to have anesthesia. I'm going to open you up. This is what I do. And so I understand that. I don't necessarily understand movement because I personally don't do it myself. And so it's, it's getting people to see and understand that there, there is possibly a different path. It's just, you have to, you have to know the right people Again, people like us that that kind of help you get into that that positioning and that that point where your body is able to work the way you want it to. And I, and I feel like that's part of what resonated with me with you guys. It's, you know, with stick. It's like, okay, not everybody's gonna be able to do maybe necessarily what I post, but what we can do is like, okay, like the my my most recent post uh with uh, knee flexion. It's like, okay, I'm doing it without holding on to anything. But again, if I have problems with balance and stability, now I can implement sticks 
to help me stay stable while I work on my knee flexion. So I, I love that about you guys. You came up with something. I feel like we have similar mindsets where you wanted people that you wanted everybody to have access to movement and positioning, not just, you know, lead athletes or whatever. And so I, I think we're, I feel like we're on the same page as far as, you know, we, we want to be able to put anybody that's in front of us in position for success, no matter what, you know, your body trauma you've gone through or your age, we, we try to put people in position for success. And I think we, we, myself and you guys with your organization, uh, do a great job with that. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate that, man. Mm -hmm. So with your own practice and, you know, where you've gotten your joints to, to get to, um, and you said you have elite mobility in certain areas. Do you, do you continue to try to keep increasing the range of motion in the elite areas or do you just, Hey, this is where I'm going to maintain this level is good for me. And then now I'm going to start working on these other areas that need to catch up. Well, I feel like for me, like, uh, I, I continue to try to push it to see how much I can go. What is my actual max? Uh, now again, this is, this is something where I also tell other people as well. What I personally do is not necessarily for you. I try to teach people to, you know, strengthen and get as much range as they need for their lifestyle. And so for me, like, if, again, if I'm doing, you know, back levers on a, on a pull-up bar, which I don't know if everybody understands what that is, just Google back lever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you need, you need tremendous shoulder extension for that. So that's, you're going to need something that's well above average to have the strength of maintain a back lever. And so for my lifestyle, I continue to try to push to get as much range of motion as possible for whatever, you know, I'm going to do for my calisthenic work. But again, if you're a golfer, you don't need as much range as I have uh, for shoulder extension. Now, again, thoracic rotation might be a different story. But again, I try to, with, when I work with people or if people ask me questions, I, I try to stress that just because you see me do this, does that mean that that's what you need to be at? You, you just need to work to the point where it benefits what you need to do. Again, golf, tennis, skiing you know, traditional lifts, like, okay, I want to squat ass to grass, or I want to be able to snatch pain-free like, okay, well, these are, these are the prerequisites you need. These are the movement patterns that you need in order to do that. So again, I, I always take it on a case by case basis or whoever's in front of you, um, or whoever's in front of me. But for me, I personally, I want to see how, how far I can push this body. And so I, I'll never stop trying to get better as long as I can. Yeah. You want to set the example for people. Yeah. Are there moments or instances where you find that having the ability to get into extreme ranges or positions is maybe detrimental? I personally have not experienced that. I can, I can say that I believe that other people can experience that. Uh, but for the way I personally train, I, I, I have not experienced where it's like, okay, this is too much in one way or, or another. Awesome. Cause you, you, you do, you run too, right? Chad? Yes. Because you know, sometimes, you know, people they say, oh, if I stretch too much, then, you know, I don't feel as bouncy. You know? Well, yeah, again, that's why for me, again, personally, I've pretty much given up any passive stretch, passive work or foam rolling work. I, I just don't, I don't do it anymore. But again, I'll, I'll do like you, you see me post where I'm squatting on my toes. So again, it's a form of mobility, but again, it's also working on that stiffness to keep that spring 
you know, for running or jumping or anything like that. So again, it's, it's going to be for me, I, I understand how my body works and what my body needs uh, for the person listening. It's just going to depend on your lifestyle. And again, you have to, you have to be able to adjust with any adjustments that you make. So like I have one of my guys now who's a bass player. And so he's a bass player and a cello player and like lugging stuff around and like hunched over. He's having some back issues right now. And so we're changing up what he's doing because so we, he's working a lot more on running versus traditional lifts while we fix his back issues. But again, the impact of running doesn't bother him like it does working on his hip hinge. And so we have to, he has to adjust when he does, I give him the homework on his own time. And then we adjust with how we're doing in the meantime until we get him back to where he's accustomed to being. How old is your son, Chad? My son is eight years old and he's already uh, four foot five. Oh wow! So yeah, so he's he's eight. eight. Well, he, he's he turns eight. He turns eight uh, in a couple of weeks. October twenty second, he turns eight. He's gonna be taller he's than me by five. the time he's ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be really tall, and so he's gonna he's gonna waste that height because he's my son is a complete nerd. Uh, he's into like video games and like science, which I love, which is cool. And so he's gonna be like a six foot four like lab coat wearing dude. <laughs> and people are gonna be like, uh, don't you like play sports? Like, no, I, I play video games. So <laughs> So does he like to to train with you at all or Yeah, he totally likes to try to like implement like especially like kettlebells. He like he does his like own like little deadlift. He's like, I, I think I can pick that up. I can do this. Or like we do like work on uh P bars, like the parallettes. And so we're doing like tuck sits. So like my son can do a tuck sit uh, on a parallel bar, like straight arm, shoulders back, you know, supreme hip hip flexion. Or uh, yeah, but as far as like extending his legs out, he can't do an L sit yet. He's just like for him, you could just it's so it's so nice to see his eyes like light up. He's like wow, like straighten your legs out is so much harder. But yeah, he he definitely is into like he sees myself, and he sees Morgan doing stuff, and so he's just like he's very intrigued by it and wants to see if he can do it. But then he goes back to video games. uh about how often would you do you typically do heavy lifting in your in your for yourself uh two to three times a week again so what i'll do is again especially in this time uh we're not in like a gym setting and so even like the building i live in has a gym but it's closed uh but so so again we do a lot of kettlebell work so we'll work on weighted pull-ups uh, we work on strict press, you know, and we'll, at this point now, because we're, again, we're, we don't have, we're not necessarily dumbbell people. So we'll do like chest press with kettlebells, bent over rows with kettlebells as well. And so we have, we have kettlebells up to 48 kilograms. So, oh, okay. Oh, you got plenty yeah. of weight then. Yeah. Plenty of weight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have, again, we have them from 12 kilograms up to 48 kilograms and we have pairs of a good amount of those as well. So we'll do, you know, double press, you know, double cleans, you know, double snatch. So that's, that's how we, we try to uh, get in our, our strength work um, is through kettlebells through again, strict pressing, goblet squats, double squats, weighted pull-ups, things like that. And if they ever get too light, you can always turn them upside down. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. So we do bottoms up, bottoms up work as well. And so like, I even like this funny thing, like I, I don't, I don't think I've posted anything bottoms up since we moved from Jersey to California. But yeah, that's something that I think a lot of people neglect is that bottom up, bottoms up work for that grip strength, that shoulder stability and shoulder strength. So again, that's that's something that we're we're totally into. And so for me, I, well, again, it just depends on the week, depends on how my body's feeling. Two to three times a week, I'm, I'm working on 
you know, heavier lifts. Well, so is it, do you find that once you comfortable swinging kettlebells around, it makes dumbbells handling dumbbells much easier. It does for me, for me, I I feel like, and that's why even before this, so I, I, I purchased, so I've been an independent trainer for five years, almost six. Uh, and so when I first stopped working in corporate fitness, I started ordering up a bunch of stuff because I knew I wanted to be able to work out, you know, a certain way. So if I, I was, if I wasn't in a corporate gym or a commercial gym, I wanted to be able to either work out in my apartment or, uh, even the last gym that we lived in, in New Jersey, we had, a, or the last building that we lived in, we had a gym in our building. It's again, it's just like a hotel gym where it's, the weights are light. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you have dumbbells up to 40 pounds. You have kettlebells up to, you know, 20 kg, 16, 20 kg. So it just wasn't going to be enough. Um, so I ordered, you know, again, so I, I was, I was prepared for the pandemic before it even happened. Um, so I ordered a lot of stuff on my own. Um, cause I also, at that point, I didn't want to necessarily join a gym between training clients and just like, you know, being a dad and, you know, all that stuff. And so I, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't want to make time to go to a corporate facility. I wanted to either just, again, I have a gym in my building where I live. So I just wanted to be able to, okay, I'll just carry my own stuff to my own gym, um, and be able to work out there. And so from that point on, I, I just enjoy the off, you know, the off centeredness of, you know, of being working with a kettlebell versus the balance of being working with the dumbbell. I just feel like my body prefers that, um, versus the stability, stability and the ease, in my opinion of dumbbell work. Very true. So you said, uh, a little while ago about passive stretching. So for the listeners, can you quickly explain the difference between a passive stretch versus what we typically do as an active stretch? A lot of times, again, with yoga, it's going to be a passive. An example of, so if you're trying to touch your toes, again, like a passive stretch is like, okay, where am I passively with, you know, hamstrings? It's like, okay, if I'm leaning forward, you know, I'm seated, I'm seated on the ground, I'm leaning forward, trying to touch my toes, or I'm using gravity, I'm standing up, I'm using gravity to help me lean forward and try to touch my toes versus I'm standing upright and again, with or without the sticks. How high can I lift my leg actively into hip flexion, which is a totally different ball game than passively hinging over, you know, or falling over, you know, to try to touch your toes. So if somebody can visualize that, or again, passive is assisted. So, you know, you have some trainers, you'll have massage people, you have chiropractors that assist you into a position passively versus how much control do you have actively yourself? Or like a a discussion that I had recently with some friends was okay when you're squatting with weights you know it's not necessarily passive but you're again you're getting assist from the weight to help you into ankle dorsiflexion versus how much ankle dorsiflexion do you have without the weight helping you get into ankle dorsiflexion so that that's the difference between passive and active but again from a, a stretching standpoint again most people again from a passive standpoint you think of a lot of yoga positions or Again, that, that traditional, when somebody stands up, you know, like a track stretch where they, they, they're, they, they think they're stretching their quad. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to grab my foot and pull it back. Okay. Well, how much, you know, passively you can pull your foot to your hamstring or your glute, but actively, how can, can you, can you flex actively at the knee to hold that foot as close as you can passively, you know, to the hamstring or glute, depending on your bone length or your limb length. Yeah. Cause that's one of the things like. When we like a pigeon pose, for example, 
You Correct. see people get into a pigeon pose and you'll walk past them and they might as well be asleep. I mean, they're on exactly. the floor. You look at them <laughs> and there's times where I'm kind of like, what are you doing? I'm doing a pigeon pose. Yeah, well, why don't you actually yeah. do something, right? You're, you're yeah, exactly. kind of falling asleep there. Yeah. And it's, again, it's like you said, it's, it's not, can you actively, what's, what is you, what do you look like in your, you know, your half 90, 90 actively pulling yourself up into hip external rotation or again, actively controlling, not just flopping over the front, actively being able to control with again, a tall spine into, into your pigeon. Yeah. So like for people that may be listening, who might want to try what we're talking about with a pigeon pose next time you're in a pigeon pose and just uh, instead of just laying there, like dying broccoli, <laughs> take that back leg and actually push it into the floor Exactly. And if you take your arms and drive your hands into the ground and then start to pull the floor apart, exactly. that, that is a, that's night and day. It's, it's night and day. Yeah. It's night and day. And I, and I can I think that's where, uh, even some people with large followings on social media, they'll promote stuff as active, even though it's a lot more passive. It's hard to kind of explain. I don't want to necessarily call anybody out because again, I'm not, I'm not into that personally, but. Um, there's definitely a lot of information out there that is not uh, correct, which is, uh, again, it's it's one of those things, it's unfortunate, but it, it is what it is. And so people like us try to put out other information so at least people can see it. Whether whether the algorithm allows people to see it is a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. But again, we, we do what we can to try to put out, you know, the proper information to help people actually achieve their goals. But is a lot of that simply because of the, of the mentality of, this is the way we've always done it. And I think that's definitely, yeah. I think that's part of it for sure. It's a mentality of that's the way we've always done it. It's, um, it's a look thing. You know, certain people have a certain look that's desirable to a lot of people. And so like, if I, if I have a certain look and I put this information out there, that this is passive or this is active or this, t- this tummy tea helped me do this, then people just kind of gobble it up. And so while it's, while it's frustrating, we have as like science-based people still have to kind of keep chugging along and pushing out, you know, the information that we have. And I, I feel like, again, more and more people are coming to our side of the debate thing is with, with mobility and joint training specifically. I feel like a lot of people aren't into it. It's, it's one of those things where uh, they're not proactive, they're reactive. And so that's where people like us come in. Like when somebody's in pain, then they're willing to actually work on it. And so what we have to do is trying to change the culture where we're more proactive versus reactive to building resilience through joint strengthening, mobility training. And then, you know, hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll work out for us. I, I, I feel like long-term it's going to be on our side, um, but right now it's, it's a battle. And so we just do what we can. Yeah, I mean, cause ultimately mobility, all mobility, all training is really strength training in my Correct. opinion. You Correct. Know? I agree um, with that 100%, but it, that's one of those things where, again, like Dennis said earlier, you know, do you have people that come on your page? And so like, I, I try to, I try not to overthink it, but I try to try to show people. And again, like more recently when I, when I add other picture, I, I, I add pictures of athletes doing things. It's like, okay, this is the stuff that you need. So I think sometimes people need to see it versus like, see how, how it can impact them in their everyday life or their athletic in, endeavors. Because a lot of times with, okay, hip internal rotation, like, what does that mean? I can't, I can't see hip internal rotation. Why would I use hip internal rotation? Well, again, if you're a, key, a goalie in, in hockey, you need extreme hip internal rotation, yeah. you know, to be able to save, you know, to make saves extreme internal rotation, hip internal rotation. 
So it's one of those things where, okay, okay. If I'm an aspiring hockey player, you know, teenager, college player, like, okay, this is why you need to work on that, you know, to build resilience and be able to function and move properly to do your job and to continue to advance from high school to college to potentially the pros. Or again, if you're just, you know, you're somebody who does recreational work. I had a guy that used to play in like pond games in Minnesota. So he played in college, didn't make it to the pros, but he still played in pond games in Minnesota. He's from Syracuse, born and raised like on the, on the ice. On the ice, yeah. And so he still, he still plays. And so for him, it's like, he's still active in that world. Even though he's, he sits at a desk, he's still active and wants to do that kind of stuff. And so it's, imp- it's imperative for him to continue to play at a high level that he has hip internal rotation at an extreme level for most people. Yeah. Cause what's interesting is like, I, there's goalies in my league that are in their fifties. And it's like you said, with the internal rotation, they're still dropping down in the butterfly position. They're still totally. coming up out of it. And so you see all the negative comments about extreme internal hip rotation, but on, on social media and even in studies, you know, we, we've seen right. the white papers, but then you look at some 55 year old female or male and they're doing this. They're dropping down into a butterfly. And let's say in a game, you're doing that probably mm, at least 30 to 40 times a game. Yeah, exactly. So right. you need it. And so yeah. like, that's why like part of what's also frustrating is again, you can't, you can't base your situation off of somebody else's situation. So like, even again, the stuff I try to put out there, I try to put out stuff that's challenging for anybody. And sometimes like, I'll put stuff out that may be a little bit easier, but it's accessible to everybody. I try to put out information that can benefit everybody, but at the same time, Again, everybody's not the same. Everybody doesn't have the same goals. Everybody doesn't have the same aspirations. So not everybody wants to be a bodybuilder. Not everybody wants to be able to do handstands. You know, not everybody wants to do whatever. You just have to treat it for who's in front of you. But again, I I feel like a lot of times with these pages, people demonize mobility training or joint training or Olympic lifting or whatever the case may be. Um, just because it's not necessarily for you doesn't mean it's not for somebody else. That's a really great way of looking at it. Uh, I mean, people just like to shit on each other's stuff and you're just kind of like, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, so like, I feel like for me, that's part of the reason why I also like Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff can be like a job almost. Um, and so like, I understand that sometimes people who have larger followings is because they put out content every day. And so I, I'm not somebody that puts out content every day. I'll, Sometimes I'll go like two weeks without doing anything. And sometimes I'll do, you know, I'll put out one, two, three times a week. Uh, because sometimes it's just, it's a lot for me. I understand it's a great tool and it's a great resource. But for me, sometimes it's just, it's just, just a lot to just see all of the negativity out there. So I just have to take a break personally from just looking at it because I just can't, I can't handle it sometimes. I just, again, I, I try to keep a positive mindset. And so while I understand there are negative mindsets or disagreements, um, sometimes it's just overwhelming. And I just, uh, I personally have to take breaks from content and like looking at it, looking at other people's contents, just because it's just too much sometimes for me. I'm just like, I don't understand uh, why it has to be that way. It it doesn't have to be that way. I don't understand why it is that way. You know, it's one of those things where, again, like we spoke about earlier, either have a conversation about it, or if it's something that you doesn't resonate with you, then you can either not comment or not follow the person or block the account. So you don't have to worry about seeing it again on your feed. It's just, I don't understand how, 
why people go out of their way to be negative, especially on somebody else's page. Well, it's kind of funny. It's like when you ask, you, you tell somebody, hey, have you ever tried like a food? They're like, have you ever tried this? No, well, I don't like it. How do you You've know? never even tried it. You never even, <laughs> yeah. oh, I just know I won't like it. Exactly. Okay. okay. Well, whatever. How but, do you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you haven't even experienced this. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. If you do see something, at least do some research and, and start to look into it. If it, if it's something that maybe you're completely opposed to at first impact at first glance, you're like, no, 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 at least look into it and see, maybe, maybe you end up being totally buying into it later on. Totally. Once you, once you're like that. one of the things that we can like all agree on is one of like historically knees over toes is awful oh. for your body. If you understand positioning from an athletic standpoint, how can you say that your knees over toes is bad for your body because athletes have been doing it since the beginning of time. So to say that knees over toes is bad is just illogical to me. Now, again, we can have a conversation why you think knees over toes is bad. And I can express to you why I think it is. It's beneficial for most people. <laughs> um, again, if we can't have that conversation, then that's somebody that you just weren't going to be able to help anyways. So that's, that's how I look at it. But again, it is it, social media. Again, it's, it has positives. It has negatives. Again, I, I use it to try to help people. I, I use it to try to be inspired and learn from people. Again, like how I got started with sick mobility is through Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so like, if, if it wasn't for Instagram, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you guys. I wouldn't have picked up the knowledge and the skill that I use with sick mobility. And I use with my clients, um, especially some of my clients that have, you know, had serious injuries in their lifetime. And so they want to be able to do stuff and they want to be able to advance. And again, working with a six helps that. But again, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. I, I try to take in as much of the pro as possible. And I try to separate myself from the negative. I understand that's a part of life. There's levels and variations of negativity. Again, there's, there's a difference between somebody saying something that you don't agree with and having an actual conversation with it versus somebody like just flat out, just trying to be negative and not making, you know, not making any sense or proving their point of why they, they have their beliefs. I just move on from that. You just moved out to California. Correct. From New York city. Correct. So, so I, I, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a change. It's a welcome change. It's definitely a, a different lifestyle here than, than back in the Northeast, but I'm, I'm here for it. And so we're, we're very outdoorsy people. And so that was part of the reason as I've gotten older, I have, uh, Come less tolerant of the cold. Uh, and so if you've ever lived in New York City or you've ever visited New York City in the wintertime, it is cold. It is windy. There hasn't been as much snow recently in the last couple of years. But again, it's one of those things where, again, if you live in New York City, like you hate snow because, again, New York is a, is a walking city. So you're walking through the snow. Um, it's pretty for a few hours while it's actually snowing. And then because New York never stops going, you know, the snow turns like black and brown and slushy. It's not like, it's not like being in the mountains of Jackson Hole where it's like, oh, this is beautiful and white and the way it looks on the trees. And so I was tired of the cold. Um, I, I've had, I have, you know, some opportunities work-wise and so does Morgan. And so we figured, you know, this is one of the things with the pandemic going on right now, you know, in our industry, it allowed us to continue to work with our New York city clientele virtually without having to be in person while we Beautiful. continue to build our businesses out here. So we were at a unique opportunity with the pandemic and we were just like, you know, this is something we've been thinking about for a few years. 
Um, and we decided to finally pull the trigger on it and we're, we're happy and we love it. You guys have the LA shirt on. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on I'm California. All in. <laughs> I'm all in. All so obviously in. you were never a Yankee fan then if you got that shirt Actually, on. So, so yeah, so growing up, so I, I grew up mostly in Virginia. So I spent a lot of time in Philadelphia as well. I was born in Philadelphia. So I'm an Eagles fan, diehard more than anything else. That's something my parents instilled in me at a very early age as far as baseball growing up. So where I lived in Virginia was just north of Richmond, Virginia. And so mm-hmm. for when I was a kid, the AAA team was the Braves. So Virginia and Maryland have like a little bit of a, a rivalry. So there were no nationals when I was a kid. So you either root for the Orioles or you root for the Braves. And so the Braves were like the, basically the unofficial team of the South. So as a kid, I was a Braves fan. When I moved to New York, I became a Yankee fan just because, you know, the energy and the love for the Yankees, it's just, it's, 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 it's a Yankee town for sure. So I still have a place in my heart for the Yankees, uh, but I'm definitely like buying into this LA lifestyle. And I've, I've been a, so I was a Kobe Bryant fan as well. Kobe Bryant is my favorite basketball player of all time. So I've rooted for the Lakers for a while as well. So I'm, I'm bought into the LA thing. I'm not necessarily a Dodger fan, but I'm not a Dodger hater as well. Not like the Red Sox. <laughs> I'm a Red Sox hater for sure. So now anything Boston. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you're established out here, uh, even in, in, let's say, you know, two, three years, everything gets back to, normal so to speak or the way we're used to it uh, do you have any plans on opening up a gym in the f- a training studio in the future or? yeah so the goal is to at some point when things do open up um so with my other business for cover which was based in new york city we we want to be able to expand in la and that was part of the the reasoning of moving out here as well. And so it's funny. So like, right, right. When we like made the decision that we were going to move, California was in a good position. And so right before we actually moved is when the cases like started piling back up again and everything started shutting back down. And so that put everything on hold in the meantime. So hopefully things will pick back up. We'll be able to get through this and, you know, we'll be able to open things back up. And then the goal would be to uh, have a facility in um, Los Angeles area. So what, uh, what is recover? Yeah. So recover. So our main thing that we're doing right now, we offer recover services, um, you know, physical and mental, uh, recovery, uh, through various modalities. So, uh, we have a partnership with Normatech. Uh, we have a partnership with a company called Newcom. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Newcom. It's basically, no. it gives you the restorative parts of sleep without actually being full blown asleep. So I want mm. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can, we can, I need yeah, that right yeah, now, so, man. Yeah, so we can we can talk more we can talk more about that like at a different time, maybe. Yeah. But at the same time, puts you in the restorative part of sleep. So you're not in delta, but through oh. uh, through through other modalities. So what they do. So one of their main things is binaural beats, and so binaural beats is is when you're getting you know two different uh, two different frequencies or pitches in your ear. So most, most songs that you're listening to or whatever you're listening, you're hitting, you're getting the same pitch or same uh, frequency in both ears. And so what this does is you have something called uh, the RAS in your brain. It's like a filter. So if you've lived in a city for a long time, like again, living in New York, when I first moved to New York from Virginia, I was used to, you know, very quiet. So you move to New York and there's sirens and trash trucks and, people leaving bars and people singing. So it's loud. So it's hard to sleep. But at some point your brain 
filters out that noise and allows you to fall asleep. And so what this does is it tricks your filter in the brain where you don't fall into Delta, but you fall, it's, it's like a deep meditative restorative type of sleep where the levels before. So it's like alpha and theta, not beta. So it puts you in alpha and theta. And uh, what that does is again, it's like lucid dreaming. Hmm. So you'll, the, what they market themselves as is you'll get up to two hours of restorative sleep in 20 to 30 minutes uh, through the binaural hmm. beats and through GABA. Uh, so you absorb GABA through the, through the skin. Uh, they have a cream that allows you to, uh, to absorb the GABA as well. And so the, the two of those combined allow you to get that restorative amount of sleep. It's, it's amazing. I, I wish, I wish you could try it right now, but again, it gives you that f- the feeling of, of, a, of restorative sleep, a nap without that groggy feeling because it, oh, you don't allow yourself. So if you, if you go home and you try to take a nap, you're going to yeah. go through your sleep cycles. You might go, you might fall into Delta and then you might not finish out the cycle because you set an alarm because you have something to do and you feel groggy um, wow. because you didn't finish out the cycle. So this keeps you from falling into Delta. So you don't get that groggy feeling. You, you actually wake up feeling refreshed. And so we do that. Uh, so, um, and also at our, we had a CVAC machine. So altitude work, uh, an infrared sauna. And so what we do normally, what we've been doing recently is, uh, events. And so like we do, we, we just did our second year of the U S open for tennis. And so oh. the athletes love it. So we'll do Normatec and we do Newcom because again, a lot of them, they're stressed out. They can't sleep. They're worried about their match or their bodies are feeling beat up, you know, from a four hour match. And so we, we provide Normatec, provide Newcom to help risk, you know, the athletes recover as much as possible. And so that's what we do. Well, that would, that would be fantastic for people, business travelers who are changing. So we also do that. So, so what we do is, so we also go to corporations. So we've had events at Google, we've had events with Nike where we partner with. And so what they do is they'll have their employees come down on a lunch break, do new comp for 20 to 30 minutes. And basically what that does is gives them, you know, an extra boost to get through the afternoon yeah. and stay productive. So companies are all about it because it keeps their, their, their employees happy and refreshed and working hard <laughs> to make money for them. And again, it's one of those things, just like being active in general, you know, it just helps with, you know, your body feeling well. So you're not having to take off, take off work because of back pain or whatever, you know, so we're, we're working on the mind and the body. So that's what we do with recover. Yeah, so I we're going to hopefully have that in LA as well. With, yeah. um, with new parents. Or, or parents totally. with, parents with toddlers, to, yeah. And, you know, yeah, totally. Babies, so we, we would have a lot of we'd have a lot of parents come in and hit Newcom. A lot of my clients come in and hit Newcom before, like again, like if I'm training them in the morning, it's like they had slept all night, and so they'll come in an hour before their session, and they'll do 40 minutes of Newcom, you know, to help them get through their session and get through at least their first part of their workday. And then I don't know how many espresso or espressos and coffees they, <laughs> they need for a second. Five. But again, you know, when you when you have a little one, the, the sleep is inconsistent and it, it can drain you big time. And so you're just not as productive. And so our, our philosophy and our goal was to help people be more productive and, and feel better again, whether it's through Normatec, through infrared saunas, through Newcom, people really love the Newcom and people really love the Normatec. And for us, it's easy to take two corporations and again, two events like the U S open to work with people. So we're, we're, we're expanding that out here. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, We will definitely be talking about that. That sounds just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, So check out Newcom. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much for that information, man. Yeah. And it's spelled A U C A L M. So if you're if you if you want to look out or anybody's listening, so that's the the company. Okay. 
Fantastic. Thank you. Well, thanks for being on, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, what I love is the fact of with your is your experience and being able to share that. So that way people, especially nowadays, especially from the clinical side, where they're, they're just told that they can't do these things. And, totally. and unfortunately, I think just too many people are ready, readily accepting that as, okay, the person, the, the doctor told me I can't do this. So that's just the way it is. Yeah, you know, I agree. I agree. And, and that's one of those things. It's like when you're, we're trained to, again, I'm not, I'm not saying don't listen to or don't believe your doctors. But again, there are ways that are safe and effective to continue to progress out of whatever situation you, situation you may be in most of the time. Again, obviously, if you're yeah. paralyzed from the neck down, that's a different conversation. If you tweaked your knee because you fell off a curb, there are, there are ways that we can we can address that. And again, this is it's one of those things where, again, a lot of athletes people aspire to be athletes or look at athletes for inspiration. Athletes don't do that. They don't just stop working out or stop moving for weeks and months at a time. They're, they're actively trying to get better and they're actively working on other parts as well as, you know, the parts that are, are uh, impacted or affected. And that's why we see them. We see big injuries on athletes and they're like, Oh, well it's, it's X amount of weeks. But for the general population, it's much longer because of much what you longer. just said. Much longer. You know, the, the, they're actively always trying to recover. Plus, they have a they have a huge support system. Totally, totally. And, and so those are big differences. So um, I think that's something a lot of people kind of just lose context of. Totally. They they definitely same with same with our president and his his issues recently. It's <laughs> like he has he has access to things that most people don't have. Yeah. Now again, there's certain situations again. I, I was never a pro athlete. I didn't have access to the, the kind of medical team that, you know, certain athletes do. But at the same time, I listened to my people, you know, that were on my medical team and I did more, you know? So I, I, t- I took what they said, like, okay, here's your piece of paper, do this minimum, this, this, it's like office space. Like, well, do you want your, your minimum pieces of flair or do you want to do more? And so like, you know, as long as my body, you listen to your body, my body felt well, so I just kept going and doing a little bit more than was the minimum required of me. So that's that's the mindset I feel like people need to get into. It's like, yes, listen to your doctors, but also listen to your body. Fantastic. And once again, at Technical Fitness, give uh, Chad a follow. If you're not following him on Instagram, he has some great content out there when he's putting it out there. So definitely check that out. And uh, please tell Morgan we said hello. Will do. Uh, and uh, we will have you on soon, my friend, and we'll be uh, we'll we'll get more into the uh, recovery work that you're doing with, especially with Newcom. So I think thank you. Uh, listeners would definitely be interested in getting deeper into that. So thank you very much. Awesome. Until next episode, everybody, be good to each other. <laughs>